0: Welcome. This is the Rip Griffin Show podcast, a baseball podcast for baseball fans of all ages. Now, here's your host, Rip Griffin.
1: Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 62 of the Rip Griffin Show. Before we get into tonight's episode, please remember to subscribe to the show and all the major podcast platforms. Rate the show, review the show, let us know how we're doing And also be sure to keep an eye out on our YouTube channel. We've got some YouTube exclusives that we will be working on posting on the YouTube page. So be sure to head on over to that whenever you see it. Check it out. Give us a comment and review as well. So as always, I am joined by my co-host, Brad Chandler. Brad, how are you doing? I am doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing great. Another week in the books. And we've got a lot of things that have happened this week in baseball. So I'm excited to jump on and talk about tonight's topics, and we've got a special guest with us as well. We got Mr. Terry Cushman from the Bastards of Boston Baseball <laughs> Podcast. How are you doing, Terry?
2: Not too bad. I'm not even used to saying my new podcast name yet, so it sounds weird when you say it.
0: <laughs> I, uh, let me tell you, let me tell you, man. We do the YouTube, we do the YouTube channel. It's uh, kind of got that little. Wait, now I got to say the Bastards of Boston Baseball. I got so used to saying "Benny and
2: the Betts. It, yeah.
0: it doesn't roll off the tongue as as
2: well and fluent. Right? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> I had to write that down before we actually got started just to make sure I got it right and I didn't call it Benny in the bets anymore. So <laughs> just just a little note taking before we get started. But uh, we got a lot of things to talk about in this episode. Obviously, of course, our team of the week is the Boston Red Sox. Um, what we'll do is we'll kind of talk a little bit about the news, kind of everything that's happened over the past week. The past, you know, 48, 72 hours has been really interesting in baseball. And then we'll kind of jump into the second segment which we'll have the uh the Boston Red Sox, and we'll kind of talk about the team get your views on on the state of the team and a couple of players we like to do at the last segment we'll kind of talk about them uh, a player that we've put on our Twitter poll that the listeners have selected so we'll kind of jump at to that at the last segment but uh so Brad, you want to jump into the first part of the news yes. because <laughs> so it's interesting. <laughs> Jared Porter's wiener
0: ended up getting him fired um, six years ago while he was working for the Chicago Cubs in the scouting department. He decided that he was going to, you know, what was it that you called it, Terry? I, I was listening to the podcast earlier today. The Dilly Hoo Hoo or whatever <laughs> it was.
2: A uh, uh, Hoo Hoo Dilly. There you go. Hoo-hoo the Hoo Hoo
0: Dilly. So uh jared porter sent a picture to a female reporter of his hoo-hoo dilly um and it's come back to bite him in the ass uh five years later um you know i know a lot of people are talking about this uh definitely not appropriate to be doing that especially in the position that he's in or was in um but He he, it it like all stemmed from like he was sending numerous text messages, and it didn't like go from one to ten. It went from he sent sixty text messages.
2: Yeah, it was actually it was one hundred and fifty text messages roughly, but sixty of them went unanswered. That is insane. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, a normal person would probably take the hint after the third or fourth message tops, uh, but he kept going. And and
0: 50. Huh?
2: Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and unfortunately, I mean, he, he got pretty pervy and um, paid Yay. the price big time.
0: Yeah, at one point he was just sending pictures of his crotch and his jeans or whatever. And then it ended with like, well, he's going to whip it out. Oh, you're not saying anything here. Maybe if I whip this out, she'll say something. Nah, man.
1: Come on. At, hey, At, at what at what point in time does a guy say, well, here, maybe if I show her my junk, she'll talk to me. I, I,
0: it doesn't. I'm, I'm just going to be straight up, man. I don't think I've ever sent a female a picture of my junk. Like if she wants to see it, she can see it in person. Exactly.
1: I, I, <laughs> I really don't want my junk all over the internet. You know. Exactly. You don't know what they're gonna, what they're capable of, and it's just what goes through a guy's head when a female is not responding to you, but thinks it's okay to just you know <laughs> send a D, send a deep I'm gonna call it deep. I'm gonna censor myself. But I I don't know. He deserves like the hoo hoo deli. Hoo <laughs> hoo yeah,
2: yeah. He he kept that job for a whopping, I think it was thirty-seven days, just yeah. long enough to make the Lindor, Carrasco trade, and then have a scandal and get fired.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this this is the second year in a row that the Mets have had to deal with something. In January, um, the they had a candidate who was hired in the offseason, didn't even get to, you know, coach or manage a game. You know, last year it was Beltron. this year it's Porter. And I'm just hoping next year they can actually get through the entire offseason and get right into playing ball um, without a scandal.
2: I think the Mets would would love to have, you know, a scandal-free Winter, you know, it, it's like the Mets are going to be the Mets, though. You know, there's always going to be something. It doesn't have to be a scandal. It could be a player meltdown. I mean, remember when remember when Matt Harvey's girlfriend left him for literally Julian Edelman and he no-showed a game or whatever, and, and he was late to a, a playoff press conference or something, some type of media day, and that was controversial in 2015. You know the the Mets just can't get out of their own way, and unfortunately, new owner. I don't know what Sandy Alderson's title is, but um, you know, just the 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 weird, you know, developments just seem to keep popping up.
1: Isn't he the president of baseball operations? Uh, you've got your general manager, which is where Jared Porter was, but and then Alderson was actually above. Uh, Portal. Yeah,
2: he's basically the the go between between Steve Cohen the owner and the general manager. You know, the Red Sox had a similar front office where Theo Epstein was the uh, general manager and then Larry Lachino was the the president so to speak. And and it changed a little bit because when Don Browski came in, he took Lachino's spot. And there was a general manager for like a season. That was Mike Hazen before leaving to um, Arizona. And, but Don Browski was the guy, you know, he was the Alderson. So it's weird how different organizations assign, you know, what roles to what executives. But, but nonetheless, uh, they're
0: basically still the general manager,
2: right? And that front office it is. Yeah. And then you got high bloom. Now I know we're going to get to Red Sox later, but he's the chief baseball officer. <laughs> he's the yeah. only one in MLB with that title. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> the Yankees ended up having some stuff happen this week.
1: Yeah. So they were actually finally able to work out a deal with DJ Mayhew, a six year contract worth 90 million, which is an average of 15 million per year. So Terry, let me ask you this. Is this a good or bad signing for the Yankees?
2: For the Yankees specifically, I, I don't think it is a good signing because their pitching is really thin. You know, they need to make moves, you know, for that part of their team. There was talks about uh, Luis Castillo maybe being traded for out of the Reds, and that would have bolstered them up. Um They did acquire Kluber, uh, but I just feel like they really needed to focus on pitching. And I think for the next three years, D.J. LeMahieu is going to be one of the best middle infielders in uh, Major League Baseball. He basically already has been. Um, But then, you know, that six-year deal takes him into his age 39 season. Right. So what's, you know, age 37, 38, 39 going to look like? So, I you know, I think he would have been better suited on another team, you know, like the Blue Jays, for instance. But um, but yeah, I just think Brian Cashman, the general manager of the Yankees, has just fundamentally not understood what, what it means to have a great rotation. And you, you got to go back a couple of decades to where you could say they had a stud rotation, Clemens, Pettit, so on and so forth. They just haven't had they've had one ace type pitcher right now with Garrett Cole and, and you know, with CC Sabathia for a little while and nobody else to really go with them. So um, I'm I'm really surprised that Lemayhew was was the number one priority.
0: I was, uh, I was always, <clears throat> I have been talking this off season about what the Yankees, what I thought the Yankees should do, and of course, you know, me being a Red Sox fan, nobody cares what I have to say that that follows the Yankees. But I was, I thought that they should have moved Torres back over to second. They should have let Lemayo do his thing, go wherever he wanted. You know, hey, you don't want to deal with us, you don't want to do this deal. This, I think, it was seventy six million was the first offer they were uh, giving him. Hey, you don't want to do this. All right, we're going to move Torres over here. Um, There was another shortstop that was available. Uh, and Dralton Simmons, I believe is his mm-hmm. name. Uh, he played for the Angels. Great defense, horrible offense. But you know what? The Yankees already have enough offense. You know, you got these power bats. You don't need power bats. And you could easily just slid Hicks into, into leadoff. I know that LeMay used the guy who's, you know, batting over three whatever. Uh, I don't remember what his batting average was last year, but it, there was other ways to go about it. And then they could have, they could have ended up going after pitching. You know, Kluber. I don't think was a great answer. I mean, whatever. We don't know what he's going to pitch like, but I think they could have gone after somebody else.
1: Yeah, the, the length of the contract is what concerns me because, like you were mentioning, Terry, when you get into that 37, 38, 39 age, the numbers are going to decline. It's it's given. It's just you know aged. It's going to catch up with you. And the Yankees are making a big risk by offering that much money when, of course, they could have gone out and got pitching. Obviously, top agent uh, free agent Trevor Bauer is out there depending on where he wants to go and what he decides to do. Um, they could have, I don't know what you, what y'all's thoughts are, but they could have, you know, brought back Marciano Tanaka. I totally butchered that name. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) but I mean, they could have brought him back as well. I know he's not the, uh, the most flashy signing, but you know, he's been in that organization for so long. Um, of course, then we kind of touched on Corey Kluber, which kind of goes into the, to the next topic here. Uh, One year, 10 million, or is it 11 million? It's somewhere between 10 and 11 million. That seems more like a risk to me. Like we're just throwing money, hoping that this works. I don't know what you all think about it, but I I think, you know, they're taking a major risk with Kluber.
2: I, yeah, it's a huge risk and not from a money standpoint, but from a durability standpoint, You know, I just kind of outlined how thin their rotation is. I just don't think the Yankees were a fit for Kluber. Kluber, I think, would have been better suited for, like, maybe an Atlanta team that has a deeper rotation. So if they lose him, okay, there's other guys to fall back on. Uh, The Padres, the Dodgers, you know, pretty deep rotations. Uh, The White Sox, although they have added, uh, you know, to their rotation, but – but, uh, you know, a team that has a deep enough rotation, I think, would have been better suited to to handle the risk. Kluber hasn't pitched a full season since 2018. 2019, he had seven healthy starts before being hit with a comebacker and his season was over. And those seven healthy starts weren't good. He, was, he had a 580 ERA. So wasn't pitching very well. And so I think there's going to be a lot of rust. I think from a performance standpoint, how sharp is he going to be? How much velocity is he going to have? And then how durable is he going to be? If he goes down, I mean, Jordan Montgomery is the number two starter for the Yankees. So I think the Yankees should have targeted someone else, you know, an Rizzy type guy, uh, Bauer probably shooting for the moon, but I would have uh, I would have went after someone more durable. John Lester, how fitting would that have been? <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> to see him in pinstripes, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, but, I would be pissed.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, we can kind of touch on Lester here in a minute, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I I think the the Yankees are just you know trying to maybe they're just trying to get in on the action with all these other teams like the Blue Jays and. You know the the Padres, because uh, the the Yankees have been relatively quiet pretty much in the entire offseason. It's
0: because they were spending their time trying to get their number one priority was DJ LeMahieu, and they should have been like, "Hey, this is what we're offering you." Like he should, he, they should have been like, "This is what we're offering you," and then started focusing on pitching.
1: Right. I don't know. I we will we'll see if this actually comes to help them or if it backfires. So
0: yeah, we'll, we'll end up seeing. Um, so Martin Perez was signed by the Red Sox. Um, I know that we have talked about this a little bit before uh, Terry, but uh, Perez signed for $4.5 million uh, after the Red Sox ended up declining their option, uh, the option. So, right now, the lineup looks like Erod, Ivaldi, Perez, Pavetta, possibly Houck. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the Perez signing,
2: Terry? I don't like it. Um, you know, he's very serviceable. You know, he's basically a career number four, but the Red Sox are full of number fours. You know, they needed an upgrade for sure. Um, you know, I think our rotation, our back end, you know, is better than the Yankees' back end. But um, the troubling thing about the Perez signing for me was it, it basically told me that that's it. They're done with the rotation now that they brought him back, you know, because like you said, they did decline his option. And ultimately, after re signing him, they save a million bucks roughly. And another thing I haven't really talked about yet on on any podcast is I think what what happened was the Red Sox were holding out to see what the schedule was going to look like and I think the Red Sox were hoping for a reduced schedule you know maybe not quite as few as 60 games but 100 120 something like that and you know with that would have came prorated salaries and once Rob Manfred said nope full season, 162 games, full salaries. I think the Red Sox said, you know what? All right, we're just going to go the cheap route and we're just going to continue to rebuild. And and that's why they settled on Perez. Because if you look at the timing, it was very shortly after Manfred, you know, basically revealed that they would, in fact, play the full schedule. So, So, you know, I'm speculating, but that's why I think they signed Perez.
0: Yeah, you know, I was a little disappointed uh, at the fact that they, not disappointed, I was shocked uh, that they declined his option at the end of the season. I thought he was literally the only pitcher that went out every five days. They ended up having like 20-something different starting pitchers throughout the season last year, and that was on a 60-game season. I mean, that's ridiculous. And one guy went every five days.
2: Right, basically, you know, cuz of all he got hurt for a little while there. Yep. And that is the one nice thing about Perez is he's very durable. And if he's getting shelled, you know, in the third inning and, and your bullpen is taxed from a couple of games before, you can leave him in there anyway. You know, they used to do that with Tim Wakefield back in the day. You that
0: know, pissed me off until I realized why they were doing it.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> So you're, you're getting, you know, an innings eater, kind of like what Rick Porcello was, but a guy who's going to pitch better than Porcello will at this point in his career, but still a guy that's going to get knocked around and, you know, probably cost you, you know, a number of games. So pros and cons.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, we'll see what happens with the rotation. You know, that was an interesting point that you brought up with the the scheduling and everything because... After you know, Manfred said that there's going to be 162 games. Now we're starting to see all of these these signings. These even, I mean, of course, the Padres kind of did their thing before that. But that kind of leads into the the next big signing this week, which was George Springer going to Toronto on six years, 150 million. Let me ask you this: Do you think the Blue Jays overpaid for Springer?
2: yeah for sure. Um, you know the, the annual salary, you know 25 million a year isn't ridiculous. you know he's a, he's a top performing outfielder, you know hits for power, not a bad defender, but the number of years I think um, you know is, is a little excessive. I kind of thought he would end up in the four to five year range um, with five being the absolute max. He has uh, struggled uh, with durability, you know, throughout his later 20s. So, um, you know, it just I'm a bit of a pessimist uh, as far as whether or not he's going to be healthy throughout his 30s. I jokingly said that could be an Ellsbury 2.0 contract. I don't think it would quite be that bad, but I do think he's definitely going to be on the disabled list uh, from time to time. But Um, You know, but Toronto wanted him, they were connected to him all winter and they had to, they had to give him that extra year to get him. And I hope it works out. You know, I, I talk a little bit of crap about the Astros, so I'm not going (laughs) to lie, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I'm not a big Springer hater. So um, as long as it's not at our expense and, you know, he has a, a great, you know, run in Toronto. That's fine with me. Another thing, too, I, I should have brought up was the astroturf. I don't know how yeah. well that's gonna gonna play for him, either. So but you
0: also got to remember, uh, Canada's not letting any of the sports teams play, so he won't be playing in Roger Center uh, at least this season. And who knows for twenty twenty two? Is it the full season? Have they ruled on that? I, I don't know. Man. I mean, I know Canada's borders are closed. They haven't released anything on when they're going to open those. So, and it's been been closed since the beginning of this pandemic. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not a big COVID restriction guy, but um, (laughs) if they're going to play in Buffalo, or that's fine. If they stay right in Florida at their spring training complex, so be it, you know.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I had heard was the weather. Obviously the weather would be nice in Florida in April and May, but once you start getting into June, July, and August when the humidity starts to pick up, how is that going to play into a factor um, I mean given that he did play in Texas for, you know, 6-7 years, also uh, especially when you play in, at Arlington when the ballpark in Arlington had you know, was was open, so it was hot especially in August that might play into a factor but it's i mean that's probably minor um but it's just a matter of where they're gonna where are they gonna play in 2021 but um you know the blue jays are are trying to make some noise they're trying to compete i think with the padres with all their massive signings also too they're trying to compete in the east with the yankees but you look at this lineup it's got bgo it's got bachette it's got flag jr um now it's got Springer Springer also, and it's going to be a pretty powerful potent lineup, um, especially when you have Springer leading off. I think it uh, that's where they're going to put him because that's where he's best at. But uh, we'll see, you know, the blue Jays are starting to make some noise. They're trying to become more relevant again. I, uh, I think like, like you mentioned, the, uh, The the amount of the contract was probably a little much, but I think you have to kind of attract a player to Canada, to Toronto, because it's not really a destination that most players would like to play their career in.
0: It kind of, I was kind of shocked that he actually ended up picking the Blue Jays uh, because the most well-known fact of of Springer uh, being a free agent was the fact that he wanted to be close to his family, which is in Connecticut, and the Mets have been, you know, Like tied to him pretty much the same as the Blue Jays. And I'm sorry, New York is a lot closer to, you know, uh, I think he's from New Britain, Connecticut. And he, that's probably about an hour and 20 minutes away from uh, Queens, whereas uh, Buffalo, that's like three hours away, four hours away. So, I mean, it's a lot closer than Houston, but still.
1: Right. So Terry, let me ask you this real quick. With everything that has gone on with the Mets this week, with the firing of Jared Porter and and the, the, the lewd pictures and whatnot, do you think that may have put a dark cloud over the Mets that ultimately led to Springer choosing the Blue Jays over the Mets?
2: I don't believe so. No. Uh, And, you know, it it didn't really occur to me to to really check to see what the Mets might have been offering, you know, if they were, in fact, the runner up, because they apparently, you know, by all accounts were the runner up. So I I don't know what their offer was. Um, Another thing I probably should have pointed out, too, is the tax rate in Canada is insane you know, players are going to lose more money than players in, you know, Boston, New York, uh, Texas, even. Um, so, you know, there was probably, that was probably a, another reason for the sixth year being put in there. Uh, it's also should be notable that that's the biggest contract in <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays history.
0: <laughs> I saw that. Yep. Uh, just to Just to let you know, the Mets... According to what I just found, uh, the Mets offered him six years worth around 120 to 125 million. So, yeah, uh, I see why he would have taken on the uh, taken the Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it was about five million less a year, probably around 20 annually from them. Right. But
0: right. So there were there were three other signings uh, this week as well outside of George Springer. Springer being the big one. Uh, your boy, John Luster, ended up signing a one-year deal with the Nationals uh, for, I believe it was $5 million. Um,
2: how did you feel about that? Well, uh, I my exact tweet that night, it was, uh, what, around 9 or 10 p.m. when it was announced or something. And I tweeted out, I said, If Lester signed for five million a year or less, I'm going to be pissed because that's what we paid for Perez, you know, five million a year. And in my opinion, a moderately washed up John Lester is probably still better than Perez on his best year, you know, and you got the leadership aspect. If they make it to the postseason, you got a guy, you know, you can handle it. And so it's just a, another another example of why I think the Red Sox aren't really trying. They're not really putting their best foot forward uh, we'll, we'll as get far as that. players.
0: We'll get yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Rip, I'm just gonna run through these real quick so that we can get to the next segment. Sure. Um, Michael Brantley. That was this was a funny uh, signing. Michael Brantley signed, actually ended up signing with the Houston Astros. Um, I not, I don't remember how long it was for two years, right? Yeah. uh, Two years, 32 million. All right. So two years, 32 million. What's that? 16 a year. Yes. But It was reported. I want to say like a couple hours before that he had signed with the Toronto Blue Jays and all the reporters had come out and said, Hey, you know, Ken Rosenthal came out, John Hammond came out. Nobody trusts John Hammond anyways, but, uh, all these guys came out, especially Rosenthal, and, and they were like, yeah, uh, sources say that he signed with the Blue Jays, and then like a couple hours later, it's nope, he signed with the Astros.
1: Yeah, that one was... Uh, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I put out a tweet that said that he was going to the Blue Jays, and then I'm driving, listening to MLB Network and... or MLB, MLB Radio, excuse me, that they're talking about Brantley had gone to the Blue Jays, and then passing puts out the tweet said no that's not true and boy uh that just went completely yeah it, it was a a rabbit hole that we. And all what went, did i know. tell
0: you what what were the exact words i said when you said man i can't believe you went to the astros
1: yeah uh, well i mean i pulled the trigger too fast i mean yeah, yeah you- you blew your load a little fast. <laughs> I, I did. You know, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own that. I'll admit right to it. I, I did make a mistake. I got a little excited to try to put the news out there the best, as quick as I could. And yeah, it backfired. That's, so. that's what happened with everybody. Uh, Terry, you got
0: anything to
2: say about that? Well, <laughs> never, never trust at honest Blue Jays fan ever again, <laughs> <laughs> they they must be so embarrassed that they oh, ran you, with that. Did you see their
0: tweet afterwards? He, he was like, I, I did not. Yeah. He's getting a lot of heat for that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I've known a few things you know, ahead of time. And I didn't know if the source was legit. And I just rather not be that guy. So I just didn't do anything with it. Right. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, so. Oh, well, you know, he ended up he That's ended good. up signing with, uh, you know, the the Astros for what was ex- the exact deal that he just wrapped up with the Astros. His previous deal was Two years, uh, thirty-two million. So basically, just an extension of his previous contract. And I, I love Michael Brantley. I, I'm sure Rip, Rip feels the same way. And uh, you know, I, I think it's a good signing. Yep. And I'll, I'll go, I'll go one step further. If the Red Sox were like, we could sign Michael Brantley, or you can give George Springer that big contract. I'm going with the value. I'm going with the value, and I'm taking Michael
1: Brantley. Yeah, it it definitely helps, especially with the outfield with the Astros because there's so many holes and so many players that we don't know who's actually going to play what position other than Kyle Tucker. But anyways, to kind of finish up the news real quick here, Jay Happ signed a one-year $8 million deal with the Twins. Uh, It just seems like they're just trying to add depth to their rotation right now.
0: I love it because that means Hap's not going to be a Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so scared when his name was uh, being uh, being drawn in with the Red Sox, and I know Terry was the same way. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was something that I didn't want, and I'm glad that he signed elsewhere because now that's a that's another name off the list.
2: That and that's a big time overpay. I mean, I would take. Yeah. Perez over him any day you know and he was 3 million cheaper so was Lester um, uh, so I'm kind of surprised he got uh, 8 million and I think Hap's like 39 years old he might even be 40 I, you know so he's he's getting up there and his numbers have diminished so I just I don't like that signing one bit but, but like Brad says at least he's not with us so right. <laughs> 38 years old Oh, he's 38? Okay. I thought he was a little older. Yeah, still old. Ah. <laughs> Let's, talk. Let's talk about some Red
0: Sox. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. Okay, so, Terry. Earlier this week, Red Sox president and CEO Sam Kennedy had an interview with the Boston Globe and stated that the 2018 championship cost them a and depleted their farm system we've talked about this uh, privately we've actually i believe we actually talked about this on the basket of boston baseball's uh, youtube page um, what are your thoughts on what he said and do you believe this is a better this is better than the approach they've made in the in 2018
2: i think it's got nothing to do with prospects absolutely nothing to do with prospects they've signed so far a starting pitcher, a reliever. I'm assuming Matt andres is going to be a reliever. And then they added Hunter Renfro. They've spent $11 million on them. That's what all their numbers add up to for 2021. And they've got another $30 million sitting off to the side. So they're signing junk. And it's got nothing to do with prospects because even if they spent a little bit more, if they got maybe Yossi El Puig instead of Hunter Renfro or, you know, I can't really think of a second baseman off the top of my head, uh, you oh, know, yeah. we're, we're connected to Kike Hernandez, but, um, but. I, I,
0: there's, what about Colton Wong?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You
0: know, I've been, I've been I know that Christian Arroyo uh, is the supposed second baseman for the 2021 season, but I would, I would love Colton Wong at second base in Boston.
2: Absolutely, and you could make either one of them your your first baseman as well if if Dahlbeck needs to be optioned. So, uh, Colton Wong would be a great addition, and it wouldn't cost a ton. And it's just mind boggling to me that they are settling for mediocrity when they do have the resources to be better. And.
0: They- if any of our any of our followers or listeners are paying attention to this, this is the type of stuff that you get over at the bastards of Boston baseball. <laughs> Terry will say how it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Uh, if, if the owners are, you know, being cheap, he's going to tell them say say they're being cheap. And uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> it's one of the things that's drawn me into the show.
2: I, I'm not a homer. That's, nope. that's why we're different. That's why our numbers are getting bigger and um, don't, you know, don't, don't listen to us. If you, if you want to listen to a lovey dovey podcast, cause we're not, <laughs> we're not lovey dovey when things are great. We might be, but you know, not at, not during times like this.
0: Yeah. Last year and this year aren't going to be all that great. Um, Rip, you got anything?
1: well i have to be honest i really wasn't familiar with the same kennedy and th- the uh the interview with the boston globe so i apologize for not being more uh abreast of the knowledge that that or the information that's been going on with the boston Red Sox. so i apologize about that part so we can kind of move on to the next one <laughs> all right um i'll let you take that one so We've heard we've all heard, especially on, on your podcast, that you've been really high in Jake Odorizzi. So uh, explain what you think it would do to help the Red Sox rotation if Bloom went out and signed Odorizzi.
2: I think, you know, to bring in a guy of Odorizzi's caliber, uh, you know, and, and to be pitching under a guy like Dave Bush, I, I think he could potentially have some of the best years of his career. He does have the potential to pitch to a number two Um, Rodriguez in the rotation might as well, but, but Oda Rizzi just gives you a lot more stability from a performance standpoint. When Chris sale comes back, you know, to have him, Rodriguez and, and Odorizzi I think would be huge if Tanner Houck continues to do what he did late last season. Suddenly, I think you got a very formidable playoff rotation. Are we the Dodgers? No. But, but we could be competitive. And if you go back to 2013, nobody foresaw at the start of that season we were going to win a World Series with John Lester, John Lackey, and Clay Buckles. And they did. So...
0: That was the year Clay Buchholz was uh was getting babied.
2: Uh, yeah, well, he had that. What was he like, twelve and zero? And then he had that infamous cuddling injury where he slept. <laughs> he slept the wrong way, cradling his child, and then missed three months.
0: <laughs> yeah, I so. my very first game that I've ever gone to uh, was uh, the day before the Boston bombing. And Clay Buchholz took a no-no into the ninth inning. He gave wow. up. One, he gave up. A, he gave
2: up one hit, and Farrell came out and took him. Took him out. Wow. wow, his pitch count must have been high. I don't remember that, but it would have been the second one of his career. You know, if it happened.
1: I don't know what what's worse. You know, uh, having an injury, due to uh, sleeping wrong, or having a rib break with uh, after a massage.
0: oh
2: wow wow Wow. wow. i think that that masseuse was an (laughs) elephant or something
1: (laughs) oh i i don't know what's worse but uh but uh i mean uh if we look back at Odorizzi's, you know 2020 i mean he had a 6.59 era i only had one loss but anyway he pitched in four games also uh but He, he
2: he he had a back injury was the problem and, and then he was shut down for the rest of the year, unfortunately, but
1: would that be a concern if, if, if the Red Sox were to sign him?
2: Well, I'm assuming he would have to, you know, take a physical, you know, like most players do, and maybe they would observe a workout, but he's, Fairly young and doesn't really have a a history of injuries, so I I wouldn't be too concerned. And I'm also assuming if he were signed, it would be a two- or three-year deal. So, I mean, based on, you know, most of that, I would say it would be pretty low risk.
0: So, uh, while you two were talking, his pitch count in the day that I I ended up going to was 109.
2: Well, 2013 standards, that's probably astronomical. (laughs) It's it's 1985. He's just getting warmed up. Right. (laughs) Uh, So
0: we already talked about uh, Martin Perez uh, being signed by the Red Sox. But do you think that it was smart for the Red Sox to sign Martin Perez instead of going over Corey Kluber? Or what are your thoughts on that?
2: I would have preferred Perez over Kluber because I'm just an extreme pessimist with Kluber's uh, durability. I also would have taken Perez over J-Hap, you know, Matt Shoemaker, some of those real bottom guys. But you know, obviously, I was hoping they would aim a little bit higher, you know, instead of him. But so was it the worst signing? No, but still left a lot to be desired.
0: And, and and trying to and just trying to like get onto the pitching aspect of things for the Red Sox and um and the whole fact of John Lester uh, signing with the nationals. how bad do you think the Red Sox ended up missing out on him?
2: I think pretty badly. I mean, why wouldn't you? John Lester has has made thirty or more starts every year since two thousand eight. Obviously, aside from twenty twenty, but extreme durability. The guy's never had a real serious injury in his career, and I would have brought him in and then just trusted that Dave Bush would have helped him kind of adapt to pitching in his upper thirties and and so. I just think they you know they're kind of wanting to just stay in rebuild mode and and, and tank and, and get a good draft pick for the 2022 draft. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me to go Perez over Lester. Maybe there was bad blood still from 2014 that we don't know about. So maybe if you want to give the Red Sox a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, Maybe there was a little bit of bad blood, but
0: the bad blood was because of them. So I don't know if I'd really want to give them the benefit of the doubt.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And the Red Sox aren't uh, a very good organization when it comes to admitting they were wrong about certain things. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, Yeah. I I think they missed out on Lester. Honestly, coming back to Boston would have been a great you caught homecoming. I mean, Yeah.
2: And I mean, a golden opportunity mm-hmm. for Bloom to kind of win over the fan base a little bit after trading Mookie. And half the fan base is, is mad about the Cora signing, the, the rehire. So, you know, maybe bringing back Lester kind of appeases that demographic as well. Just a total blown opportunity there.
1: Man. But... uh, uh, uh. So to kind of, you know, keep moving on with the, with the Red Sox and everything. So if you had your choice, what other needs do you think the Red Sox would need to fill?
2: I'd like to see another first baseman or someone versatile to play, you know, whether it's Colton Long, like we said, um, maybe an outfielder an example I used that my co-host absolutely ripped me for uh, Ryan Braun, you know, could play first base. He could play corner outfield, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's 37, 38, something like that. But on a one-year deal, I, I might've went that route. I just think first base is really thin because I'm not convinced that Bobby Dahlbeck is a major leaguer. You know, the strikeout rate is insane. What's it going to look like the the second and third time all our division rivals get to take a look at him? I just think he's going to be super uh, prone to strikeouts. And Michael Chavis is not a major leaguer, and he would be the number two guy to go into first base. So um, I think we're extremely thin there. I'd like to to see another piece. Um, And then our outfield is pretty shoddy. I mean, you've got... You've got Verdugo, who's very good. And and then after that, you got Renfro, who could be DFA'd halfway through the season. He's a career 290 on base percentage guy. And then you've got Andrew Benintendi, who, as far as I know, is still out in Neverland, <laughs> you know, like just completely lost. So, um, and Chavis could slot in out there, but I, you know, I, I just said I, I don't think he's a major leaguer. So, extremely thin in the outfield. Kike Hernandez would make it a little bit better. Uh, Yasiel Puig is an affordable option. Um, I'm not quite sure. It's been such a busy week, uh, but I'm sure there's probably, you know, another option they could also look at, you know, in the outfield. They're a dime a dozen. So so first base outfield outside of pitching is uh, where I'd like to see uh, a little more um, reinforcement.
0: So, outside, so you and I talk a lot, you know, with the fact that I work with you in the Boston of Boston Baseball, uh, the YouTube page, and um, we are constantly talking. Uh, I probably talk to you more than I talk to anybody else on like Facebook, Twitter, and uh, I want to kind of gauge uh, with the quiet offseason with the Red Sox. Um, what are your expectations? and to the 2021 season?
2: I think they'll add another piece, you know, whether that's Hernandez or whatever, but um, I think at best we're a third place team and even being in third place, we could still be sub 500, you know, Um, So I'm an extreme pessimist right now, Uh, short of uh, an Oda Rizzi signing. I I would probably put the Red Sox in the 76 to 79 win bracket and well out of the playoffs.
0: Okay. I kind of, we've like I said, I talked to you more than I probably talked to anybody else on uh, online. And I'm in your group chat with the bastard of Boston baseball as well. And I saw Andrew, uh, one of your hosts, our co-host uh, on the show, he he's expecting around eighty-six to eighty. Was it eighty-seven?
2: No, I think he said uh, eighty-two to eighty-five. Somebody else might yeah. have given the figure. You, you okay. did, but
0: yeah, I I I don't see them being anywhere close to that, but. He's pretty
2: optimistic and uh, I really I, don't, is. <laughs> I don't mind being wrong. So if he ends up being right, more power I, to him. <laughs> I really am hoping he's right. Being a
0: Red Sox fan, I am hoping he's right. Um, so, um, Rip, you got anything?
1: Yeah, I was, I was curious to see what you were going to say, because, you know, a lot of the reaction is, you know, let's, let's get back to the postseason, Let's get back to the postseason, But, it seems like a lot of the Red Sox organization are, are shooting for a rebuild. You know, like you mentioned shooting for that number one top draft pick. Um, the Tinney thing is kind of interesting because uh, it seemed like it was kind of talked about that they might shop him, but now it seems like it's, you know, to the point where they really want to find a, a different place for him. They really don't want him anymore. I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, you know, prospects is probably something that the Red Sox need to need to get, and um, I don't know. It's just interesting to kind of find to kind of hear your perspective on the team and where you feel like the state of the team is heading into twenty twenty one. So
2: Yeah, I, I just like I said, I, I think it's more mediocrity, and um, you know, you 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 look forward a, a year beyond twenty twenty one, a lot a lot of bad. Uh, contracts come off the books and hope to God at that point they'll end the misery and start, you know, really putting some, some pieces on this team. And, and by then we might have a look at some of our top prospects as well. And maybe they would be a big part of the solution, but
1: won't be 2021. Are they still paying Manny uh, Ramirez? Twenty twenty
2: six. Yeah. Wow. that one's inconsequential though. That's like two million a year, but you know yeah, that's like dimes well, to us. We're paying David Price sixteen million for the next two years to play for the Dodgers. Um JD Martinez, I mean, he's coming off a bad year. I mean, a lot of people will shut up about that if he starts going crazy again, you know, with the power hitting. But but at the moment, that's kind of a an ominous contract. He's got this year and next year. And um, maybe Pedroya's money will go away. Uh, they might be working out at some type of a buyout uh, this month on that. If they didn't, that would be roughly 12, 13 million uh, that they're on the hook for. So you add up all of that, you're looking at close to $50 million between price Martinez and Pedroya.
1: Okay. So kind of finish up uh, the last segment. We kind of take a couple players that when we put on our, our Twitter poll and you know, one is a, is a, uh, a guest fan favorite. Um, so we kind of want to touch on, on big poppy, David Ortiz. Um, we know that he's known for his smile and his clutch inning, but what poppy moment will you remember the most?
2: Has to be the grand slam in game <laughs> two against the tigers, <laughs> uh, you know, and when, when, Tory Hunter went ass over tea kettle over that bullpen wall. Um, that, that's the biggest, but, you know, where he was truly immortalized, I think, was in the 2004 postseason against the Yankees in the ALCS. Game four went into the 14th inning. It ended on a big poppy walk-off. The very next night, another marathon game. 13 innings so just one less than the night before ended on a big poppy walk off I think that's truly where he was immortalized and you had the big grand slam like I said uh you know against the Tigers and then you know the next week in the World Series he hit 688 and that number was higher he was hitting like in the 800s until like game five it was ridiculous. I'm like, why are you, why are you guys pitching to him? I'm like, keep doing it, please, but why? <laughs> you know? And you know, and he just destroyed them single-handedly.
0: Yeah, uh, I have to say I agree 100%. Uh, the most iconic thing that I've seen uh, that had to do with David Ortiz was the Torrey Hunter uh, when he hit the grand slam and Torrey Hunter just went poof, over I I remember exactly where I was. I remember watching that cop put his hands up in the air and not even care that Torrey Hunter. You know, he had the he had the bullpen catcher sitting there like waiting for the ball and whatnot. And it was great because Torrey Hunter just went over and nobody gave a damn. Nobody cared. Yeah. Nobody cared.
2: Yeah, and it it was a really pivotal, uh, pivotal uh, you know moment because. If he doesn't hit that grand slam, that was, I think, in the eighth inning. The Red Sox probably lose that game. They would have been down two to nothing with Verlander the next night. I don't think the Red Sox win that series being down two to nothing. So thank goodness he hit it. And, uh, you know, I love Torrey Hunter, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not just for that. But, you know, it was a hell of an effort. And you had the you had the bullpen cop, you know, with the iconic, you know, hands in the air. Like, and, I just uh, don't
1: care.
2: <laughs> yeah. When <laughs>
0: and, and the funniest thing about all of that is, uh, who was it? Joaquin ben, Benoit? Yeah. The, the picture he was facing. He had, he had had Ortiz's number. And I don't remember exactly what pitch it was, but I, Ortiz was talking about it. And he was like, he always throws this pitch to me, man. He always throws this pitch to me, man. and And, and I always miss it. And I'm going to just wait on it. I'm going to wait on it. And lo and behold, he waited on it, and
2: bam, there it goes. Yeah, he he absolutely did. And I, you know, there'll never be another player like him. You know, just larger than life. And uh, Ted Williams is, is the greatest is the greatest offensive player to ever play for the Red Sox. And but. I I think big poppy is the most meaningful, you know, he he ultimately means more to the franchise because two of those world series don't happen, you know, without him. And, um, I just, yeah, yeah, I (laughs) can't imagine. I wish my grandparents got to see him play. Right. See my, my
0: grandparents were uh, everybody on my, my side of the family. They were Yankee fans. So, my
2: dad and I were at the Black Sheeps. <laughs> I would have just got, got new grandparents.
0: <laughs> uh, so here, here's a question for you. Uh, who – this is kind of a dumb question. Um, who are your favorite, like, I would say, like, 3-4 hitters? right? Was it 3-4 four or 4-5? Four, you know, who are your, like, favorite 3-4 and uh, 5 hitters uh, for the Red Sox? Like, back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, Manny,
2: Manny and fucking and Poppy, Poppy, yeah, <laughs> you'll never see anything like that again. And Manny was roided up, obviously, and, and you could even say, you know, Poppy was for at least a couple of those years. But uh, you'll never see that type of clutch hitting, that type of power. It just you won't. I mean, in 2018, it was Martinez and Moreland, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like we, it was good enough, but you know, it wasn't. It wasn't Manny and Poppy. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I know that we've got to
0: get going and uh, get through this. But I had a question, and it kind of goes to it goes two and two with what you had just said. And uh, do you think that Ortiz will be a Hall of Famer, or do you think the reports of him testing positive will ruin that?
2: If you asked me this a couple months ago, I I probably would have said no, he's not going to get in. But if either Bonds or Clemens gets in this time around, I don't know what they're pulling at. I, I know it's close. If one of them gets in, they probably pave the way for for Big Poppy to get in, and I think he's kind of looked at as a lesser offender than than some of those other guys. Um, so. You know, so I I think I would if you're going to put a percentage on it, I'd say there's probably a 60 percent chance uh, David Ortiz gets in. Now, do I think he should be in? Unfortunately, uh, people assassinate me for this. I'm an extreme anti-steroid guy. I vehemently do not want Bonds and Clemens in the Hall of Fame. And I'm so dead set against them getting in. I I couldn't in good conscience. You know, vote for Big Poppy as well. Wow. So, so I just looked
0: it up. It's uh, Bonds has got 74.2%.
2: Oh,
1: jeez. And Uh, he's right there. 75 is what we'll get him. That's what he needs. So, he's
2: right about there. I guess a lot of the late ones that come in typically are no votes. So, take that for what it's worth.
1: Well, it, it would definitely definitely be interesting because Poppy's got the numbers. You know, he's a ten time All Star, Silver Slugger, World Series champion. Obviously, and of course, he's got a career two eighty six batting average. So, hopefully, he'll get in. You know, uh, we'll we'll see what the writers of the 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 b the b ba 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 uh, say. But uh, Brad, you got anything else on Big Poppy? Ah. Uh- I mean, he said everything, you know,
0: <laughs> the smile, the, the clutch hitting, the homers, the grand slams, you know, poppy, poppy's poppy, man. This is our effing city. You know, that was a great speech. Thanks, Cooter. Um, he, uh, yeah, I ain't got anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so our fan poll uh, of the week, our player of the week was Pedro Martinez. So I'm um, going to ask you this question here, Terry. Uh, which player is better, Pedro Martinez or Roger Clemens?
2: Well, Clemens had a longer career and you know, won what five or six Cy Youngs, a ridiculous number of them. Um, you know, a little bit of controversy there with, of course, the steroids. Um, I'm going to give it to Pedro even though it was a little bit shorter because I am 1000% confident Pedro did not do steroids. He was this little scrawny guy who could gas it and he was shutting these guys down at the height of the steroid era. Uh, you know, the guy was unbelievable and I, I think he he meant more to the Red Sox franchise I love the fact that he would never allow guys to crowd the inside of the plate. Cause mm-hmm. you know, they were getting drilled if they did and it sucks that Don Zimmer had to be the guy, but you know, <laughs> but that was like the height of the Red Sox rivalry with the Yankees. I mean, there was just so many more iconic moments with Pedro. I got to give it to him. Didn't Zimmer come out and say that he,
0: he, he deserved that. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I mean, thought, I thought I read something. It was like everybody was giving Pedro crap for throwing down this freaking old old guy. But it's like, man, he he like ran at him. What was he gonna do? Like he didn't he hit
2: him. He just like sideswiped him. It, well, he kind of guided him down. You know, he sidestepped and then kind of guided the old man down. And uh, you know. I feel bad. I mean, Manny Ramirez like chucked a guy, you know, right before he got traded, (laughs) you know, that's a lot more savage to me, but, but I just, I I like Pedro. I I wish we could have kept him longer and I wish 2003 didn't happen because it would have been so cool, you know, to have a, a world series. My favorite moment as a, as a baseball fan, this was like my first big moment because, as Brad knows, baseball isn't wasn't my first sport. I grew up in a NASCAR family. Okay. And then I, I was a boxing fan, kind of found that on my own. And then, you know, as all my heroes retired, only then did I get hardcore into baseball. But back when I was a little more fair weather, 1999, the All-Star game. Pedro struck out McGuire and Sosa back to back, the two home run Kings from the season before. And it was at Fenway and the crowd was just electric. I was never more in awe of anything in baseball as I was Pedro on that night. The guy was just, the guy was unbelievable. And yeah, some people are going to say Clemens, I got to give it to Pedro. And and if they want to call me a hater, Oh, well,
0: I'm 100% behind, behind you on that one. I'm not a hater. I, I believe Pedro was the better pitcher. I believe he actually meant yeah. more to the Red Sox than Clemens did. Uh, while yeah. Clemens Clemens did great while he was playing for the Red Sox, and I have to believe he wasn't doing any roids while he was on the Red Sox. I believe that started once he was on the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, maybe maybe not until the Yankees, but I, I don't think he, he was doing that stuff.
2: It happened in Toronto because his fastball velocity was dipping hard. You know, he just wasn't able to pitch in the upper nineties. And then suddenly he found it again. (laughs) And I, I think that was probably HGH, you know, that he started with and graduated to whatever the steroid buffet was. And, and um, you know, so I, I would have to agree that, you know, with the Red Sox, he probably was clean, but. Yeah, I, I loved I loved Roger
0: um, when I was younger, just as a player, not even the fact that he played for the Red Sox or anything, but I loved Pedro because he was with the Red Sox, and he was, you know, he threw, like you said, he threw you inside if he had to. You weren't crowned that plate. You were gonna, right. you were gonna get beamed. So,
1: one yeah. thing I found interesting about Pedro, he was on the Rich Eisen show uh, about two years ago, back in two thousand three years, two thousand eighteen, and he said that he asked the Expos at the time to trade him to the Yankees. He asked him three times, and it never, it never happened. And of course, he ends up in Boston shortly after. But that was something interesting. I never knew that he actually wanted to go to the Yankees because he was. He was a fan of the Yankees. He liked the Yankees, and he said that when he saw his teammates getting traded, that's when he realized he couldn't be a fan anymore, and he had to be a ball player. And that's where, right. we, and that's where we we saw him kind of take it to the next level there in Boston. So that was interesting. I I didn't know that about uh, Martinez. So, uh, Brad, you got anything else on, on Pedro Martinez?
0: Uh, you know, besides the fact that, you know, he had 18 years in, in the big leagues, uh, he played for the Sox, the, uh, he had a career two ninety three ERA. Uh, he was inducted into the hall of fame in 2015. He was an eight time all-star three time Cy Young award winner, a triple crown winner for pitchers in 1999. Uh, he helped the Sox win uh, the first World Series in 86 years uh, in 2004. And one thing I thought was like super cool was the fact that he was the All Star MVP in 1999 when they had the All Star game at Fenway. So that, you know,
1: outside of all of that, I don't think I don't think I can say anything. Hey, that's uh, why. He, that's, yeah, that's why he's a Hall of Famer. So, Terry, one last question, we'll close out the show here. What is your favorite all-time baseball movie?
2: Moneyball. I I like it. Okay. I I watch it, you know, a couple of times during uh, the winter at least. And um, I wasn't really big into fantasy baseball until, you know, I watched that movie, and (laughs) now I love it. And uh, I just thought, you know – Brad Pitt was a good guy to play Billy Bean, but the the guy who made that movie so epic, I think, was Jonah Hill. Because how yeah. do you go from how do you go from super bad to playing <laughs> Peter Brand? I was just because when I saw him pop up, I'm like, oh my god, this guy! And then he was brilliant the whole movie. Yeah, I uh, I like I
0: love Moneyball. Good movie. On the one, I think it was someone on your show. I'm not sure if it was you or if it was someone else, but I found it funny, you know, someone had said, I find it funny that this movie was about spending, you know, as little to no money. And they went out and got one of the biggest actors.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me, but that's uh that's a good, uh, good point. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, Moneyball is a good one. It's one of my favorites. Um, Of course, you know, you got the Sandlot as well. It's probably one of the...
0: That's always going to be my favorite. Windy Peppercorn. And, you know, Squints is down there. He's drowning. She pulls him out and gives him the kiss. And he's just like...
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Good good stuff there. But... uh, Terry, we appreciate you coming on the show, talking some Boston Red Sox baseball with us, talk about the news and, you know, kind of give us a little bit of your insight of, of your your thoughts on, on the team and where it's going in 2021.
0: Go ahead and give uh, your show a plug.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can find me on the uh, bastards of Boston baseball and uh very spirited show. We've got quite the cast of, of characters and, I'm only one third of the show, uh, you know, when I'm on, but, um, but it's, uh, it's entertaining and, um, you know, I, I drive a truck, so I'm always looking for content, you know, so I'll pull up a podcast. So, you know, if you're in a similar situation or, or maybe you hit the gym every day and, and, uh, you want to listen to something new, um, you know, we, we do at least a couple of shows a week. So. But listen to these guys first. This is your audience and <laughs> and uh, absolutely.
1: But we definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on and like I said, plugging your podcast but also talking Boston Red Sox with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When, whenever you guys want to grab me for for anything, uh, I can easily fill a segment or two. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very much appreciated, Terry.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Well, that guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We thoroughly appreciate you tuning in downloading subscribing let us know how we're doing rate the show thanks to brad always and uh, that's going to do it for this episode so take care guys
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the rip griffin show make sure to subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms follow rip on twitter at rip griffin